Thank you guys for coming out on a very hot evening. I guess I think is, is it still close to 90 something? 89. So it's right at it. Thank the Lord it's comfortable enough to to be in here. It's not freezing cold or anything, but uh <laughs> these old air conditioners still keep uh, kind of holding out. Hope they can uh, keep doing it throughout the uh remainder of this summer. Anyway, we uh we are into a section. I hope you guys are excited. If if you've read ahead, you can't help but get excited. I mean, this section is just too amazing. The church. That's us. We belong to the church. This church is the most astonishing phenomenon the world has ever seen. This church that we're all part. <laughs> That's right. Martin Lloyd-Jones says one. Boom, 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 a lot of them. <laughs> yeah. It's more wonderful than anything that can ever be seen in nature. There is nothing like uh, this church. You know, we travel long distances to go see really cool things like Niagara Falls and the Grand Canyon and the Rocky Mountains and uh, what the, the national parks, Yellowstone. And, uh, you know, you go on and on. It's just awe-inspiring places where people go and... Uh, People don't ever forget about those sites. These things are nothing compared to what God has done with this church. Compared to the church, it's it's zero, all of those things that we see. I mean, this is the supreme of all of the creation that God has done, uh, the church is. It's the highest manifestation of His work. And uh, we'll see that as we kind of go through this passage. But it, the, the supreme work, the greatest manifestation of God's wisdom is shown by the church and then to the angels. So he uses the church to show some things to the angels. I think it's it's just staggering to think that God would work through us and give this church the dignity and uh, it has its own little glory. Not, not that that's the ultimate glory He is, but the church is the body of Christ. So it's so connected to Christ that you cannot take away the glory of Christ uh, and you can't take that away or diminish it uh, as far as his body is concerned because it's something that he's doing. And so Paul is talking about all this through this and there's nothing uh, about as far as the church is concerned higher than this. All the doctrine of the church, uh, I would say that this is at its peak the highest things that are said about the church are right here in this mystery. Have you noticed in Ephesians, we just kept climbing this mountain and getting some great shots. Um, think of all the things that God has done for us in chapter 1 and chapter 2. We see it from man's point of view and we see all the greatness there. And then we get into chapter 3 and it talks about this mystery and uh, the church that we're part of. And uh, Paul, uh, what he talks about here goes beyond anything else he teaches about the church. Uh, so it's incredible. Let's uh, have a word with the Lord. Father, we thank You so much for who You are. You are the great Creator, the Creator of all things, and, uh, of course, the church being the very highlight and the sunum bonum of Your creation that You will put on display to show Your wisdom and Your glory. And uh, even... Um, when we think about the angels, which right now are a little higher than us, 
we realize that uh, you put us in quite a dignified position and eventually we will be something that the angels uh, will uh, be able to understand some things about God and, and the very wisdom and revelation of Him. And as we uh, go into this tonight, may it be uh, truly a blessing to us as we learn a little bit more about what we have been placed into, into this body. In Jesus' name, amen. Uh, we're talking about the eternal purpose of the mystery, meaning and, and the end of history. And if you go to the world's way of thinking, they don't know what's going on. The question is, do we know what's happening in the world? Well, there are a lot of crazy things. We got a, we, I, th- I would say we have a general idea of what's going on. Matter of fact, I think we go into a lot more than general ideas. Through God's revelation, we get into quite the details. Uh, do we know the overall purpose? Yes, we do. We've seen what God has revealed here. Has anybody ever heard of Professor Arnold Toynbee? Sound familiar? Kind of? You go, eh, I'm not so sure. Anyway, he was a historian. He said that the whole process of history is just a matter of cycles. And in a way, he is. Um, you have countries and leaders. They are raised up for a while. And uh, then uh, they are taken on by somebody else. And then they're raised up. And then another power comes along and arises and takes over that um, country or nation, an empire. They just keep overtaking each other. And it's a constant cycle. And that's what he saw. There's no real advancement of the world. It just rises and falls. It just is like in circles. kind of reminds you of Ecclesiastes, which is very true. Without Christ, that's all there is. Vanity of vanities. And then there was another historian by the name of H.A.L. Fisher, like those three initials there. Anyway, Fisher said that after studying history, there was no purpose found in history. You eventually come back to... There's a cycle, too. It, it just It's worthless. They're not finding anything. And the Victorian age had a uh, false optimism as far as the world is concerned. And things were going to develop and progress and get to such a situation that it was the best ever. That's the idea of evolution, really. It's going to evolve into something even better and better. And so the 20th century was going to bring along great scientific knowledge, and it did. Um, 20th century brought along secular knowledge, uh, brought along education and culture, has the answer to everything. And then you look back at the 20th century now and you go, was it really that good? And then you remember all the wars, world wars, which had never occurred in the history of mankind. And you see all of the different catastrophes that man has brought on. And, of course, one is happening now. He doesn't know what to do with the oil spill. All the great knowledge and scientific knowledge that man has, and he still has trouble with that. But the Bible has that answer as far as history goes. But the Victorian age saw the Bible only as ethical, So you have the nice Sermon on the Mount, and it's sweet and flowery. And if you really know what the Sermon on the Mount is about, it's rather convicting. You realize you can't live up to God's standards, and it's only in Christ that uh, we can be that way. But without the Gospel, there is no hope. So the Victorian age, which has gone past, and now we're... You had the modern age, really, which was uh, along the same lines. And then you had the postmodern age, which is one people have been writing about so much. 
that the Bible has one great theme, and it's to give men an understanding of what life in this world is really about. What it's really about. Where it came from, what's happening now, and where it's going. And we have that information right in here. Isn't that good to know? And to know it's absolute truth. Wow. Anyway, um, there's an eternal purpose. God's plan is to redeem this world because of the sin and then restore it to absolute perfection in all of its glory. And that's all of creation and especially us. We won't redeem the angels because they didn't... Uh, at least the fallen angels are going to stay fallen, the ones who didn't fall. But they will learn more about God's wisdom through us as they're even learning now. What an incredible thought. James Montgomery Boyce said... Paul, in in Ephesians here, especially in chapter 3, turns to the church as the focal point of world history. This is the point upon which God's purpose is focused. And you look at verse 10 and 11. We're not there yet, but this is where we're heading to. And I'm not so sure we'll even get there tonight. But it says, "...to the intent that now the manifold wisdom of God might be made known by the church to the principalities and powers in the heavenly places according to the eternal purpose which He accomplished in Christ Jesus our Lord. The eternal purpose is to have that church at its ultimate point where the very wisdom of God can be seen in us by the angels. That's just staggering. This is a... This is an empire that we're part of, the ultimate empire. This is a great reality that Paul puts right in front of us as we gaze at that incredible thought. Pick it up at uh, verse verse 6. Actually, our text is 7 through 9, but 6 will kind of help with the text that we're moving into. That the Gentiles should be fellow heirs of the same body and partakers of His promise in Christ through the gospel of which I became a minister according to the gift of the grace of God given to me by the effective working of His power. That's loaded right there, isn't it? To me, who am less than the least, (laughs) the less than the least of all the saints, this grace was given that I should preach among the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ and to make all see what is the fellowship of the mystery which from the beginning of the ages has been hidden in God who created all things through Jesus Christ to the intent that now the manifold wisdom of God might be made known by the church to the principalities and powers in the heavenly places according to the eternal purpose which He accomplished in Christ Jesus our Lord. Wow. Paul was very excited when he wrote this, as he has been all the way through Ephesians. And we just keep getting up on a higher point, seeing where God has taken us. He says, the gospel. Okay. 
comes through the gospel, and I became a minister of this gospel. The first word there is minister. It's uh, diakonos, which we get our word. Deacon, which means to serve. And originally it meant table waiters. They served. And then it came to be known as to to, to serve. Uh, It has to do with um, serving for the benefit of others, helping other people out, doing as one has commanded so that you can uh, please them, uh, serving them. So, how can people hear the gospel? Remember Romans 10? How can they hear without a preacher? So there has to be a preacher who takes the good news out. So there's going to be certain ones that he's going to have to deliver it far out there, all the way out into Ephesus and and uh, wherever. Uh, so we know how they can believe, and Roman 10 answers that. Preachers are called, uh, and we're all called, teachers, preachers. The whole body of Christ is called to minister the good news, to serve the good news. Can you believe that? We're table waiters. We're serving the good news to them. So we're ministers or we're servants. Uh, look in First Corinthians, First Corinthians, chapter three, verse five, and this is how Paul refers to himself. Who then is Paul? And who's Apollos? Who are they? They're just ministers. But ministers through whom you believed as the Lord gave to each one. He's asking them a question, but we're just ministers. Or we're diakonos, or we're servants. But ministers. That's how you came to believe. We came and served the good news to you. Uh, Look in Colossians 1. Colossians is a book a lot like uh, Ephesians. kind of parallels it in a lot of ways. Colossians 1, 23. If indeed you continue in the faith, grounded and steadfast, and are not moved away from the hope of the gospel which you heard which was preached to every creature under heaven, of which I, Paul, became a minister, a diakonos, a servant. I thought he was a bond servant. Yep. So he refers that too, yeah. Being a, a slave. Here it's talking about uh, just uh, serving others the, the gospel. Uh, how about verse 25? of which I became a minister according to the stewardship. We covered that last week, didn't we? We've all been given a stewardship, what we're taking to be taken care of, which was given to me for you to fulfill the Word of God. By the way, Colossians talks about the mystery too, verse 26. The mystery which has been hidden from ages and from generations, but now has been revealed to His saints. That's us. That sounds like Ephesians, doesn't it? Stewardship, ministry, the gospel, the mystery, hidden from ages past. Acts 26.16 I think Paul knew exactly what his calling was, didn't he? How could he miss it? Christ showed up in person. And he talks about his conversion. Here's 
the way it was. He said, uh, this is Jesus. Uh, in verse 15, I am Jesus whom you are persecuting. But rise and stand on your feet, for I have appeared to you for this purpose. What's the purpose, Paul? What did Jesus say? To make you a minister, servant, diakonos, and a witness, both of the things which you have seen and of the things which I will yet reveal to you. He was a witness. He's going to tell what he saw, what he heard. He was a witness. There he is, a minister too. So he was appointed by Jesus Christ himself. Quite the minister. So that's how he refers to himself. I think the biggest duty that Paul had was to be a faithful minister, faithful servant. Um, God tells him there's, there's a mystery. The mystery has been revealed and you are the one to take it out to the Gentiles about this mystery. That they are going to become one with the Jews into this body that's uh, being built, this building. Gentiles are in the dark, right? And that's where Paul's going to. He's going to very dark areas. Brings them the good news. Tells them that they can be reconciled to God. That sounds like 2 Corinthians chapter 5. What are we supposed to do? Tell people that they need to be reconciled. That they are in enmity with God. They're enemies of Him. And they need to be reconciled. They've broken His law. And that's what we're called to proclaim. The wonderful good news that they can be reconciled. I think there was a... I was listening to uh, MacArthur. He was talking about um, when he was on a plane. And uh, alongside him sat a Muslim. And uh, Muslims saw him, what he was reading there, and... Anyway, they uh, they got into talking about sin. MacArthur asked him, well, um, do, do you sin, being a Muslim? And he said, oh, yes, I, we have many sins. <laughs> and he said, I'm on my way to sin much this weekend. I'm going to El Paso. <laughs> that got MacArthur into being able to, to talk with him and, and such. He, it's not one of those where you hear that this guy became a Christian, but he gave him some information, sent him some things, but... Um, the the thing is, is that MacArthur ref- was referring to himself, and all of us are are ministers of reconciliation. Second Corinthians five. He says, "Okay, yeah, here's the sin. Doesn't sin bother you?" And the, and the man said, "Yes, it does." And he says, "Well, how do you know that you you are even forgiven?" And uh, he said, "Well, I don't. I don't know if I'm forgiven." Well, then what are you going to do? And he said, "Well, all I can do is just." Hope that Allah will let me in. So that's pretty sad. Anyway, that's that's where the good news can just plug right on in there. And uh, of course, the man listened to what the gospel is about. So I said he asked a question. Huh? He asked a question to John MacArthur. What's the difference between a Catholic and a Protestant? Yeah, that's really where it really got going, wasn't it? He says, "Oh yeah, I think I can handle that one." <laughs> Okay, the next uh, next phrase here in our uh, Ephesians. According to the gift of the grace of God. So he's a minister. How was he a minister? 
because he was just a really good speaker, right? Why was he a minister? God's grace. It was by God's grace. I think Paul was had to be amazed that he was called to be a minister of this great gospel with this mystery that he's going to tell the Gentiles and to be able to do all the things that he did. And so he calls himself, later on we know the least of all the saints, um, go to 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 10. We know that the only reason we can do anything is because of the grace of God. And uh, just to save some time later, and uh, when it talks about least of all the saints, uh, we see one of those right here in 1 Corinthians 15, 9. For I am least of the apostles, who am not worthy to be called an apostle, because I persecuted the church of God. He always was mindful of that, wasn't he? But by the grace of God, I am what I am, and His grace toward me was not in vain. But I labored more abundantly than they all, yet not I, but the grace of God which was with me. Grace of God. So anything that we do that is worthwhile of anything, ultimately, and really never can we take any um, of the glory ourselves because it's all the grace of God that He's given that to us anyway. So whatever gifts we have, whatever talents we have, whatever we do could be something for the kingdom of God, which entails a lot of things. Washing the dishes, cooking, the mundane things of the world, still be giving glory to God, right? But it's by the grace of God that we can do that. So Paul uh, definitely knew that, and he knew that God was good, he was kind, and... uh, He was included in the ministry, even though he knew he didn't deserve it at all. Then he does another one here. Um, He's going to tell this mystery, and it's like, wow, Paul, you kind of stuck on yourself? He clears all that off, and he says, hey, this was all the grace of God. It was all the working of God. As a matter of fact, when he says the working of His power, do you have a word that modifies that working? that accents that? What kind of working? Effective working. That's a, And that's another power type word along with power. Effective working of His power. It's just accented upon accents. And uh, so it's by God's grace. It's by God's power. And we know that salvation is the same way. And the calling into ministry is the same way. It's God's grace, God's power. He's not taking any kind of credit at all on this, is He? This is all what God has done. Yet not I, but by the grace of God. Look in Colossians 1.29. That's that parallel book. A little book. To this end, I also labor. Even though it is God's power in him, Paul is still yet striving. He's laboring. Striving according to his working, God's working, which works in me mightily. Paul always used those uh, adverbs quite frequently, didn't he? Work in me mightily. 
So it's the effectual, powerful working of God that I have to use that word effectual because the very calling that we had from God was effectual. That means uh, it's not that He's going to fail in His calling and we're not going to answer. Uh, We're going to answer because He has opened up our heart and we can't help but run to Him. It's not that we're robots and He made us come to Him and, and we were kicking and screaming. It's that He worked a work in us so that we desired to come to Him. All those who um, come to Christ and he, he takes in God's power effectual powerful work we are helpless we are insufficient in and of ourselves and yet it's God's power who works in us Paul at that now we get into verse 10 after he has talked about how great God is and the grace and the working of his power and he says to me here's where I'm at I'm the li- less than the least now what is that? There's somebody. If there's anybody that's the least, I'm below them, as he says. Less than the least of all the saints. And this time he's not even saying apostles, but of all the saints, I'm the least of all them. Um, very humble, recognizing that uh, he's helpless in himself. I can think of another passage that's in First Timothy one five. It says something very. Um, Similar here. Huh? Maybe not. Can't remember where it's at. I wrote down the wrong verse there. That's what I get for not checking out what I write. Thought it was there. It's a good verse though. It's an excellent verse. <laughs> anyway, I missed it. What does he want to do? Well, if they're in the dark, then what does he have to do? He have to bring what's that? Shine the light. Shine the light. Bring the light. Preach among the Gentiles, and to make all see. You see that verse nine to make all see, uh, to bring to light. A part of uh, Paul's calling is to shine that light to illuminate the minds of men that were in great darkness and just to flood that whole area uh, of people with the light of the gospel. Preaching of the, the mystery. Okay, let's see, where are we at? We're talking about the graces given that I should preach among the Gentiles, the unsearchable riches of Christ. Here we go. Starting to climb. The unsearchable riches of Christ. Want to talk about those for a little bit? What are those unsearchable riches? Uh, there's many things we can talk about. There's a lot of pressing things that are going on in the world, the economy, politics, uncertainties, turbulences. Kind of interesting to talk about. And then... When you do, you get all fired up. And and then, you know where it usually goes to? But you know, God has it on in control. How often have you, you know, matter of fact, you've probably gone a little bit overboard how what's going on and as far as the government is concerned and whatever. And then it, you bring it back to where it needs to be. And, yeah, we can talk about all those things, and, and it's okay to a point, but we have the answer. And we already know the answer. 
We let these little things just drive us crazy. And it is nothing compared to what we are talking about here. And to set that into time and space and history and then all the way through the eternal purpose of God and they start thinking those things are so small. What we have are unsearchable riches that we should be preaching to people about. The unsearchable riches. That is what we have to uh, to give to people. And What's the what's the biggest, the most important of all? Christ, Christ Himself. I don't want to forget that. There's a lot of other things to go with it, but I mean. Yeah, Paul sure faced that. They sure told him to quit. Shut up, Paul. Patmos, right? They shut him up. They either kill him or just put him out on an island, whatever. Yeah. That and that was right in the first century. I mean, very early on. It has not changed. It is still there. We've been very blessed in having that opportunity all of our lifetimes, and we still have that freedom. I'm amazed. Now, I don't know how much longer that's going to last. But we're not really, maybe we haven't been paying attention to the riches. Yeah, well, we, we think we've been deprived, and if we were to look at the rest of the world, uh, what percentage are we in, Bill? Uh, the top of what? Uh, out of all the world, as far as the riches that... I mean, if you want to talk about physical riches... We're in the top 15%. Top 15% out of all the world. All of us are fit in that because we have home, we, we have cars, we have running water, electricity, uh, maybe, maybe not sometimes, <laughs> food. We all, and we always... Has anybody ever gone hungry lately and missed them? I mean, really hungry? I think so. You know, you know where you can go to the pantry, refrigerator. You know, wow, wow. Put it in perspective, man. We have riches. Those riches, you know, those are searchable riches. But there are unsearchable riches that are untraceable. Matter of fact, we can't fully comprehend what these riches are. Yeah, but, but now we're beginning to be denied, totally denied, to be able to tell others about those riches that are inside. Right. Do it now. Right. Oh yeah, uh, absolutely. It could be in our lifetime. It. I mean, it could be very short time. It could be. Not making a prediction, but I can say, is it possible, more possible than it was ten years ago? I mean, it could it could almost be like with within a short amount of time. You were born in Michigan or whatever that place is called. <laughs> I can't remember what that place is called. Tell them about it there, Zach. What what about Dearborn, Michigan? I can't Michigan? remember that, but it's the entire town has 
converted into the Muslim state. The, the language of the town, the mayor, everybody. And they and they have arrested, I think this year they ended up arresting, I'm going to get the number wrong, but it was 20 plus Christians because they went there on the free religion day to speak their mind. And they were arrested for harassing the Muslims over there. Well, on the news... Yeah, this is America, right? On the news they were showing a number of campuses across the country that have free speech zones. It's like an area of 16 by 16 feet and you can only go certain times of the day, like between 1 and 3 or between 4 and 6 and talk freely. And so you can't use that anywhere else. Like We're talking like Christianity, right? Right. Yeah. Well, and and, and they, they... that it was pretty much earmarked towards the Christian, the religious Christian speech. Yeah. All you have to do is look on YouTube, um, um, ACLJ, I think they have all sorts of different uh, clips and information of what, what is happening. And these, these are people that are getting legitimate um, stories here. Uh, these are not just hyped up. They're going out yeah. Yeah. So we don't know how good we've actually really had it compared to many of the countries and uh, um, on the other side of the pond who have had it very difficult. <laughs> but um, when. When we're in eternity, we are going to discover new and fresh aspects and facets of the riches of Christ that we can never imagine here. It'll just continue on. Every time you turn over a new or, or discover a new truth, you go, "Wow, that's incredible!" You know, look at isn't God great? Or you find out how He's worked through somebody, and you go, oh, "Wow, look at that!" You know, and and then you you just keep seeing those things. That's the way it's going to be throughout eternity, only in magnified ways. Um, the riches of Christ. We're going to continue to discover those. It'll never get old. They're inexhaustible. The riches of Christ. Christ is our greatest need, isn't He? Of course, it starts with Him. He is our life. He is our everything. He is our greatest ambition. If we have any other ambition besides Him, we are on the wrong track. If there are other things that are coming in before Him, that's idolatry, regardless of what it is, because it starts with Christ. We should uh, have as our ambition to know Him. If there are other things that we need to be doing for His job or what have you, that's a vehicle to be able to really stress what it is to know about Christ. You know, we have to we have to have the means here as far as our living is concerned, and you know, our food and our rent and our housing or what have you. You know, we we have to have those things, obviously, and God supplies that to us. But our our biggest ambition should not be anything else but but Christ. If our future is pointing to job, to some education, to um, um, just 
doing things to for the next weekend just to be busy, if that's what life is about, then we're definitely on the wrong road. It is so to be Christ-centered. Uh, let's look at some more riches. We know it's Christ Himself, right? Uh, Romans chapter 2, verse 4. What are, what are we shooting for? What is our ambition? What is it really? Oh, really? You want to work that job? Well, why do you want to work that job? Well, I want it because it makes uh, a lot of money. Well, why do you want to make a lot of money? Well, because I'll be comfortable and I'll have a nice house and the things that I want to get. Well, why do you want to have those things? You know, you finally you have to break it down and find out, well, are you living for Christ? Are you, are you really looking for the things that you can get out of this world, Right? And that's, that's why Christ and, and uh, he, Him is, is so important. Are having those things bad? I'm not saying they are. It's just, what's the motive? Why? Romans 2.4 Do you despise the riches? Oh, there's that word. Do you despise the riches of His goodness, forbearance, and long-suffering? not knowing that the goodness of God leads you to repentance. The riches of His goodness, His patience, His forbearance. That's, a, that's quite a rich um, aspect that God gives us there, doesn't it? What about 1 Corinthians 1.30? should know this one. But of Him you are in Christ Jesus, who became for us, and here are four of them. He became for us wisdom, Good place to start, isn't it? Righteousness. We're declared right. Sanctification and redemption. All the way up to the final redemption. He who glories, let him glory in the Lord. That's just what we're talking about. There's the riches that we've been given. Wisdom, righteousness, sanctification, redemption. Sanctification as we live now. Redemption is all the way up into the future. Boy, what what riches are those? Incredible riches. Um, Ephesians 2, verse 4. We get the riches of God. What is He rich in? But God, who is rich in mercy. There's a rich, one of the riches that you have. Mercy, and, and then He talks about love because of His great love with which He loved us. So there's where we get our mercy and love. It's all from Him, a great rich. Riches, great rich. Um, Ephesians three sixteen. That he would grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with might through his spirit in the inner man. The riches of his glory. You know, it doesn't say he's going to give out of his riches. Out of his riches could be. A little bit out of the riches. What does it say? According to the riches of His glory. All the way to the depth of that. First Timothy 6.17 Another amazing thing that God gives us. We have First Timothy 6.17 Here He's talking about the riches of the world. Uh, in 17, command those who are rich in this present age not to be haughty nor to trust in uncertain riches, but in the living God. That's where you put your trust. Who gives us richly what things? All things to enjoy. 
we actually can enjoy those things. He gives those things to us. And it can be some of the, uh, the material things. He definitely gives us a lot of material things. And it, it does make life a little easier, and you can enjoy those things. That's good. That gets it in a proper perspective. But knowing where it came from. Colossians 2 2. What about those riches? What kind of riches do you have? These are just a few of them that we're looking at tonight. <laughs> that their hearts may be encouraged. This is a kind of like a prayer. Being knit together in love and attaining to all riches of the full assurance of understanding to the knowledge of the mystery of God, both of the Father and of Christ, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. The riches of the full assurance, verse 2 says. Attaining to all riches of the full of assurance. So we have blessed assurance, Jesus and Lord. How can you know that you're saved? I've talked to Roman Catholics before, and I've said, did you know that uh, Christians can actually know that they're going to, to heaven without a doubt? And they say, you can't ever say that. You shouldn't ever say that. And I say, well, I can. And I said, it says right here in Scripture, you know, First John says, I write these things to you little children that you may know that you have eternal life. And it says that you may know you have eternal life. Well, nobody knows that. Oh, you're disagreeing with God then. We have assurance, don't we? It's all over Scripture. So I'm glad this is not a hope-so religion like that Muslim that we were talking about. He's counting on maybe some of the pluses being a little bit more than the negatives over here and that his Allah can bring him on in. Well, they don't have it. Except, what's the only assurance that they have? To kill themselves and kill a bunch of... You talk about Muslims? No, I'm just talking about. Oh, oh, okay, okay. How, how did I go to the Muslim thought? See, yeah, yeah. The Catholic. They're going to count on other people's money clinging into the clinker, you know, whenever they have uh, their masses for them afterwards, and the the, the saints who've gone before them who have excess grace and so that it will just spill off of them. And there's a word for that. I can't remember what it is, but that's what it is. They have the excesses of grace. A heresy, yes. That's what the word is. Foolishness. Yeah. Wow. But we have it because of the authority of the Word of God. Not because we we just have a little pet thing here, you know, and hey, so I can get out of this, I'm just going to make it up, you know, and make myself feel better. You just didn't know for sure about anything. And when somebody finally approached you about your eternal life... Oh, here we go. Here's another one. The Word of Christ. The Word of God. Colossians 3.16. Remember Ephesians? It, it is so much like a Colossians. Well, here's another one. Let the Word of Christ dwell in you richly. The Word of Christ dwell in you richly. That's a rich... Rich what? <laughs> what does it do? Gives us uh, wisdom, doesn't it? 
And then we can also, because of that, we can teach, admonish, uh, psalms, hymns, spiritual songs, sing with grace in our hearts to the Lord. That, uh, that first part there implies something about what we're to be doing. Mm. Let the word of Christ dwell in What are you going to do with it, right? Make room for it to dwell. Yeah, study it, get it, you know, eat it. So you, you read it, you study it, then you live it, and then you give it. You've got that cycle, right? What's that? You must be a pastor or something. See, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's one of those little... <laughs> Diakonos, right? <laughs> serving. Serving the Word of God. Yeah. Hebrews 11.26 now, this is one we wouldn't think about naturally. Hebrews Hall of Faith, verse 26. Moses, esteeming the reproach of Christ greater riches than the treasures in Egypt, for he looked to the reward. The prince and all the treasures in Egypt the empire, the empire of empires there in Egypt. And he gave that up. He gave up the passing pleasures of sin and all the comforts of life to go out and be a shepherd on the back backside of the desert for 40 years. Oh, nowhere. He gave that up. Gave what he had in Egypt for that. That's right, he was. Most humble man on earth. But God taught that to him, didn't he? I wonder if he was that way whenever he was in Egypt, being the prince. Well, if you were lost for 40 years, I I bet your wife would make you humble. I'm not going to go through each one of these, but the Holy Spirit, He's uh, one of uh, the great riches that we have. He teaches us how to apply all this stuff, you know. Rest, that is a great gift that God has given us. Peace, joy, the inheritance that is incorruptible. Think of the riches and the treasures that are waiting for us. And all the treasuries. We read one in Colossians 2 3 there. Oh, man. We could go on and on, couldn't we? I ran out of space. You can't do it. What does unsearchable mean, right? How far can we go? We could just keep on making this and we wouldn't even get close. Well, I got down to O and I said, Oh. <laughs> yeah. Barb. Do you know what some of the unsearchable riches are? We just don't know them to their fullest. They're in the world until. Yeah. We, we, we've got a taste right now. But just a taste. And we want more. And there's more to come. And as we get into heaven and the eternal state, 
it'll just keep on, we'll keep discovering what those riches are. It'll never run out. We'll continue to see much more, because God is eternal. And all that He has for us is eternal. So that's how long it's going to take, and how long is eternal. <laughs> well, even in our lifetime, we do that. We see a little bit, and then Should later be. on, Shouldn't we see a little bit more, mm-hmm. and then we see a little bit. You know, it's way better now than it was 10 years ago. I know, I stopped it. It just, it just keeps getting better. It's just, it's really exciting to see. Isn't it? It's exciting. <laughs> actually, actually, it's, it's worse. Because I'm more convicted now than I ever was. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, according to Moses, uh, that's that's a rich right there because uh, it's a reproach okay. for his sake. So that's okay. All right. <laughs> Even that one is. It? <laughs> oh, good. Never mind. I feel better. <laughs> that makes you feel better. Ah, that's even better. Yeah. Man, oh man. We never lose. Even when it's good, we call good, it's good. And whenever it's bad, God works all things together for good. So He works the bad for good. So we never lose, even here. (laughs) may seem like it, but not the way that we see it through God's Word and his eyes. Look at this in this verse 9. To make all see what is the fellowship of the mystery. We know this. We want to make everybody know this. Man, I've got a secret I need to tell you. I, I have this mystery. I have it solved. I want you to know. Which from the beginning of the ages has been hidden in God. This whole idea of Jews and Gentiles and this whole plan and purpose of dealing with the angels understanding God's wisdom by God using us, that, that was all hidden in God. People didn't know this. Or they, they had a, a slight inkling and that was all. They didn't have what we have here. But now he says in verse 10, and this is through Jesus Christ, to the intent that now the manifold wisdom of God might be made known by the church. And we won't get much further, but just to get on this uh, one thought of manifold wisdom, and you, you you start thinking of a car, if you're car focused, the manifold. I don't know anybody here in the cars. I'm not, so I'm. You know, but anyway. By the way, he's looking for. You're, are you still looking for a car or somebody to buy a Jeep? Maybe. Right. Maybe. Okay. So if you know of anybody that wants a Jeep. Maybe. Maybe. It still might be a possible. Okay. We advertise here. Yes, we do. Ever. So, uh, how much did we agree on that? No. <laughs> well, last week we did Pepsi. May as well start doing personal. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, we might as well do it locally here amongst us. <laughs> we take prayer requests. Manifold. This is the idea of multicolored, I've used that many times, multifaceted. You think of a diamond, and all of a sudden the sun, yeah, all right, we're talking now, aren't we, Penny? Now you got a, got the attention here. <laughs> the car, I think it's a diamond. The car, yeah, let's go there. Oh, there we go. And that diamond, and the light hits it, and all of a sudden, I mean, you've got colors, and I mean, just all sorts of different directions. It, it looks different, however you move your finger around. Amazing, right? I mean, just tremendous. Uh, take uh, what are those things called a uh, prism 
And you've seen it where the, the light, the sun just hits it, and all of a sudden different colors just go all through the spectrum. I mean, you, you have all of them. It's just all right there. But what it's doing is taking white light, and it's dividing that up into colors. So the prism does that. Did you know that the church is a prism? We have the manifold wisdom of God in us, and He is shining through us, and we can take that white light, and now all the spectrum can be there. All the varieties of the wisdom of God can be seen. Eventually, that's what the angels are going to learn as they are continuing to learn too. But the supreme purpose of the church is to glorify God. We know that by manifesting, making it be known, revealing, showing His wisdom before the angels. At some time, and that's probably happening now, but they're still not gathering all this together. And at some time, when God makes this church all perfect, when that time comes, glorified, they are going to see the wisdom of God like they have never seen before. We are a great teaching tool to them in that sense. Wow, that's just hard, hard to fathom. What a glory the angels are going to see by us. Think about that for a moment. I won't go much further. I just want to tantalize you there to, you know, just enough to say, i got to come back next week and see what's it. No. <laughs> see, we're advertising for the Bible study now. <laughs> that, that's where we're going to drop off, but... When you think about it, the church breaks up the whiteness of the light just like a prism, and it's taking those light into the colors of the spectrum. And it's about the wisdom of God. The manifold wisdom of God might be made known by the church to the principalities and powers in heavenly places. Look in Ephesians 1.21, and Paul has already mentioned something like this before when he talked about raising... Christ from the dead, seated Him at His right hand in the heavenly places. And then he says in verse 21, far above all principality and power and might and dominion, far above even the angels and every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in that which is to come. Uh, Christ is seated there. But He brings up the principalities and powers, or angels, the, the high position that they have. Then you go over to Colossians 1.16 been turning there all night, haven't we? Uh, Christ is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over creation. Verse 16, For by Him all things were created that are in heaven, that are on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, all things were created through Him and for Him. Boy, that is preeminent. And that's really what Colossians is teaching. The book of Colossians is about the preeminence of Christ. This chapter 1 is one to, uh, I guess, uh, really draw attention to if you are talking to a Jehovah's Witness because they would love to use this passage. And in their own little Bible, uh, it will show that Christ, they, they say that Christ is a created creature. 
but here it says he's, and they'll use that firstborn over all creation. See, he was the one that was firstborn, so therefore God created him. Well, further from the truth, because firstborn is the preeminent one, and then it shows, for by him all things were created. He created. They'll say, yeah, but after he was created. That's not what that's saying, is it? Read the whole book of Colossians, and maybe you might start getting a handle. Anyway, a little bit on the uh, the angels and the church, and I think what's happening in in the church is just so stupid stupendous. I think it's so incredibly amazing and glorious that even the glorious angels are just going to spend their whole time. They they already they've spent their whole time in the presence of God and whenever they see the body of Christ in its in its finished way it's going to surpass all the knowledge that they have gotten. And they've watched a lot of things on this world. You look at Adam and Eve, they knew what happened there. When you think of uh, Abraham, and Moses, Isaac and Jacob, and then all the way to David, and, and then when they went into, uh, of course, when they went into Canaan, the Promised Land, then when they were taken to, uh, cap, uh, captives, for instance, to Babylon, and then God bringing them back, they've seen all of these different things. They have a lot of wisdom. But then, the sunum bonum is what they're going to learn about the church. And that's what we're going to look further into uh, next week. Sunum bonum. The, uh, that's where everything is summed up. That, that is the elite, the best, the highest of the high. Did you know the angels are from Los Angeles? No. <laughs> the angels... <laughs> that's baseball. Sorry. Anyway... Did you know the angels are actually like an audience there? What does that make us? Anaheim is more accurate. It's called the, the park at the... It used to be the California Angels. It was Los Angeles Angels and then the California Angels. Now it's called the Angels from Anaheim. Not the Anaheim Angels, but the Angels from Anaheim. Okay. If the angels are the audience, what does that make us? <laughs> what are we? We're the actors on the stage. We've all been given our roles on this stage. We're broken actors, and we're broken actors on a broken stage. The theater of God. We are in the theater of God. And in this theater also is the enemy of God. And he tries to break down God's people, and that is Satan. Satan tries to resist God's purposes. We know who wins. But uh, everything, all the uh, the lines or the words that you have to say, this gospel, the enemy would love to destroy that. We've been giving, giving the privileges in an incredible way. And looking at the riches that we have, it should make us excited as we uh, continue on in our walk. Be encouraged. In a time of discouragement, be encouraged because you look at that, that never changes. The times are going to change. History has always changed. Be encouraged. Let's uh